This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast, episode 17, part 2. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to part two of the interview with Kyle, where we talk all about how you can set yourself up for success as a student, whether you're in high school or already in university or college. Now, time is running out to enter the free giveaway we have going on right now to win a copy of Kyle's book. So to enter, just go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash 17. So just the number 17. It's completely free. And yeah, you can go in there, sign up, and it's really easy to do. And you can actually win a book. And we have giveaways like this all the time, actually. So uh, be sure to sign up at buildwealthcanada.ca and you'll be able to know when we have new giveaways. And if you are a student that's considering starting a business on the side to make some extra money and totally give you the edge when applying for university, college, or a job, then definitely check out my totally free step-by-step video guide on how to start a business on the side here in Canada, which is actually really easy to do. And in it, you also learn how you can build your very first website to get your business up and running in no time. You can get the full guide by going over to buildwealthcanada.ca slash business. Now let's get into the show. Now, uh, Kyle, you're also an entrepreneur as well. Um, you have your own book, which for sure you, will, you can tell us all about that later <laughs> as well. Um, one question that I had was for those students that want to become entrepreneurs, what are your what are your thoughts about doing that? Should they can still consider going to post-secondary education first or should they just start up? Because, you know, there's some benefits to that, especially if maybe you go to like a business program with an entrepreneurship stream or something of that sort. Or is it, well, no, let's just do things. Let's just try to get my own thing going right now while I'm still living with my parents. I have no mortgage. I have no, you know, children. I have no debt, hopefully, right? And just try to get something going right off the bat. What are your thoughts about that? I've had the pleasure of talking to uh, a lot of quite successful entrepreneurs uh, about this. And truth be told, I have no definitive answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to lean towards the camp that says uh, there's no need for post-secondary education in that instance. Uh, the only benefit you'll get is the network mm-hmm. if you go. So if you yeah. do go and you want to be an entrepreneur, ig- I honestly, this is going to sound terrible. Ignore your classes. Your GPA is totally irrelevant to you. Um to be honest, it's not that hard to get B's uh, in most universities in Canada. Um, if I would focus big time on networking, and it sounds cliche, but it is absolutely the most valuable thing you'll do. Alternatively to sort of formal post-secondary education, you can go online. I'm, I'm actually looking at this. I got into this this week. You can online right now take uh, four, uh, possibly five of Wharton University. For those of you in Canada that are not familiar with Wharton, it's sort of the the premier business school in the USA at the University of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. You can take five of their intro to MBA courses uh, for free and get all the skills, all the terminology. Uh, If you want to get the little certificate to put up on the wall, they'll cost you a few hundred bucks for all the courses combined (laughs) uh, and they'll verify your identity and stuff. But you can get those skills uh, that the very best minds um, in the USA are getting. You can get those skills for free. So why would you pay for the if, if you actually want to sort of attain those skills or those standards of learning, uh, you can do that. There's tons of books out there by guys like Tim Ferriss and uh, Seth Godin and all, and all these just brilliant entrepreneurs. TED Talks. If you want to what they call bootstrap your own education, 
there's so many ways to do that now for for free. There's this whole free MBA movement that I was researching this week. It's really neat. So if you want to do that, you can. And I think that's a very valuable way of doing it because that leaves most of your time and money, your your precious capital when you're just starting up. Mm -hmm. That leaves you all that time to explore that option. For sure. Now, the devil's advocate argument, on the other hand, is that in addition to the connections, going the more formal route will likely allow you to get your foot in the door in a corporate setting. And within that corporate setting, again, there's advantages. You're learning skills. You're getting paid to learn. Uh, you're learning from market leaders if you've planned your career correctly. Uh, you are just understanding the different facets of sort of what does it take to run your own company. Most 18 to 20-year-olds are not equipped with the life experience yet to deal with employees. So it's sort of a good place to get some seasoning in, uh, get some life experience in, see, learn the ropes a little bit. And some people are quite, some successful entrepreneurs are quite adamant that you go that route and then mm -hmm. start your entrepreneurship journey after that. That the the guys that start the Facebooks and whatnot are uh, actually outliers that, that don't prove anything. So I definitely see the benefits to both uh, sides of the equation. I think that formal the formal education, they've got these courses now, they're teaching you how to be an entrepreneur. So think about that. You've got professors whose sole income comes from a mainly government-subsidized uh, industry in the form of a university education, and they're going to teach you how to run your own company. I'm not certain that that's uh, all that valuable a proposition from my point of view anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm really torn uh, on this question as well because for sure there's there's successes sort of in both camps, and, and yeah, you bring up some really really good points. Uh, like one thing that because I I kind of did the the business route where I went to a you know a good business school and and I, I took some entrepreneurship courses as well. Um, and, and one thing that I did like uh, I would say is like I went to Laurier for business, and um, so I remember in my fourth year there were several profs that I had who basically built up these giant businesses themselves so these weren't like you know the, P, the typical right. phd professor who's been in academia their whole life right this was complete opposite it was these are guys who basically built uh giant businesses themselves they ended up selling them or now they have someone else running it and now just as like a like a fun thing just to switch things up sure. you know pass on knowledge to other you know mentor people that kind of thing they started teaching some programs at, at the university and so okay. those courses i found to be ridiculously beneficial right because yeah. You're talking to a guy that basically built a multi-million dollar company, right? Like, like the guy's a millionaire, and now he can tell you like what to, so what he learned, what worked, what didn't work, etc. And, and there were a few of those, so so that was really really cool, uh, and and I, I love every minute of it. Uh, and some of them have these entrepreneurship, and like I know they have an entrepreneurship and residence program too, where you can actually go in and you can actually go talk to them. So so it's like office hours for entrepreneurs. I mean, <laughs> like if 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 you didn't have that, it's amazing. I mean, you know how much you have to pay to to hire someone that that. That's at that level True. to consult you for an hour, yeah. like they're going to yep. charge you a ridiculous amount of money, and here you get it for free. So, so it's really, really cool. Um, and so, so that's kind of what. So, if if you're not sure whether you want to sort of do the entrepreneur thing or not, then I think that can be a good option. The only thing I wish they changed was that, like, I didn't like the entrepreneurship and residence thing you could do earlier. But I remember these courses. I didn't really get into them until the fourth year, um, which was and and so you know because in the beginning they make you take a lot of general courses like general yep. accounting. You got to go through the filter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I, you know, and, and I'm like, okay, well, that's great if you don't know what you want to do, but what if I know what I want to do? Can I just kind of? I want to hire someone to do my accounting. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Worry about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's kind of that, right? Is so, so that part bugged me a little bit. I kind of had to suck it up for a bit, uh, you know. But once you get to that, like, to, you know, to, to those sort of courses, it was it was really really cool. So, so that's definitely a benefit. Uh, but like you said, you know, then there's other individuals 
who just started off and they're just born to be entrepreneurs and they just go at it. You know, when, you know, no dad, they're living at their, in the, you know, they're working out of their bedroom in their parents' house and they're just, you know, hunt, 100 miles an hour ahead and, and they do really, really well and they develop those connections through other sources like there's a chamber of commerce, yep. you know, there's ne- there's all kinds of different networking events. I'm in Kitchener, Waterloo, so we have Communitech, which is sort of like this, yeah, you know. Cool. Uh, it's a good th- area to be in. It is. It, yeah, exactly, right? Like it's this like tech hub of all these entrepreneurs. So there's other ways of getting that too. Um, but yeah, so so it's a tough one to say do this, not that. Um, but at least, you know, consider all those options before you decide for sure, for sure. Yeah, so no, thanks a lot for your for your input on that, Kyle. Um, so uh, talking about your book a little bit, uh, in chapter one, you do a really good job of comparing how much a post-secondary education costs in Canada, whether you go to university versus college and whether you decide to live at home versus living on campus or off campus. Can you speak to this a little bit just for those listeners who are trying to decide what option they want to take? Yeah, I think the the main thing you have to realize when you're trying to compare university and college costs uh, is that college uh, takes significantly less time. There's a lot of college or uh, sort of technical programs in general because there's sort of these like pseudo college, almost college. They might have college in their name. Uh, different. Basically, you're going to get a certificate that will qualify you to do a job or start you on the path to a trade or whatever the case may be. And these programs are usually between eight and twenty four months, uh, as opposed to you know, your traditional university route, there's no more uh, three-year, I shouldn't say there's no more, there's very few people that take a three-year bachelor undergrad degree anymore. It's always, many many kids take five years, most take four years, uh, especially if they're trying to get their GPA high enough to get into another faculty uh, in an after-grad program of some kind. So right there, you're there's there's two costs to that. There's the the money cost, the upfront cost, which is a little bit easier to understand, basic tuition dollars. But the far more relevant uh, cost is actually your time and your opportunity cost. You're getting into the job market much later. Uh, you know, as a teacher, I didn't get into the job market till I was 22, and I was probably the youngest student in my class. I would say. So, you know, whereas someone who we got trades programs now, you can have your first level before you even graduate high school in Manitoba. Hmm. So that's your opportunity cost is hugely different there. If you're going to live away from home and go to school, you're looking at a $20,000 ballpark at this point. When we researched the stats for the book, those stats are already a couple years old now. Um, I would say without a doubt, you're you're into the $20,000 a year territory between tuition and living expenses and, uh, you know, even public transportation and everything else. It's it's tough to come in under $20,000 if you're not living at your parents' house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really really tough for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's great. No, thank you for your insight. And yeah, your your book does a really good job. I I thought of uh, the best I've seen in terms of sort of showing those numbers because you actually broke it down sort of in a nice table, saying you know here's what you're looking at, here's what the differences are. So if if cost is uh, something that would impact your decision, or, or even if it's not, like it's good to know sort of what you're getting into and how expensive these options are, right? Um, because even something like, oh, well, it'll be fun to live on campus just for the experience, yeah. right? So it's great. Like I, I lived at home during, um, you know, when I was in university. So for sure, I feel like I missed out a lot sort of on the social uh, piece. But at the same time, I'm also not, I never got into student debt because of it, right? So there's sort yeah. of that, you know, I, I, so, so I missed yeah. out on some keggers. Fair enough. You know, I, I you know, yeah. I had, but, but, you know, debt free, right? So, so what, you know, so there's definitely sort of the positives and the negatives as well, for sure. No, that's great. Thank, thanks a lot. Um, and also, I want to ask about student loans. Um, you, I know you've done a lot of research on those as well. You, you talk a lot, you have some really good information in your book about those as well. What are the options when it comes to student loans? 
are they even a good deal? Uh, and also some people will say, well, uh, I've heard some people say, well, you can just declare bankruptcy and then <laughs> your, your, your loans are erased, right? Your credit is just bad for a few years. So can, can you, can you address that maybe myth, I guess we could call it? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of misinformation out there about student loans in general. Uh, first and foremost, actually, the, the, the first myth I'd like to dispel is that student loans are bad or that they're evil. Student loans uh, are actually a fantastic option uh, relative to sort of what the private market uh, will give you in terms of they're going to allow you to postpone paying off the loan until you're done your schooling. Uh, they're going to be tax deductible at the end of it. And so they're actually a nice tool if you have to go into debt. Now, obviously, the point of you know, more money for beer and textbooks and the podcast and the blog and everything that I do is don't go into debt. That's the hope. Uh, but student loans themselves are not inherently evil. Um, they, they can actually be, be an okay deal. Now, there's, there's just all these other things that people understand, like uh, independent, uh, if you're an independent versus if you're, uh, you know, under the age of 21 in most places and living with your parents or there's all these different factors that come into play on how much student loan money you're going to get. And it, I'd have to get into some pretty good detail to explain all in this podcast. But don't just assume that you're going to get student loans, especially if your parents are middle class Canadians, what we define as middle class today. You already may be over the income levels that you uh, that would disqualify you from getting student loans. Uh, many, many of my friends were. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one thing. When it comes to the bankruptcy, that's a whole nother deal, too. Uh, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing a lawyer that sort of specializes in in debt and, and in student loans in Canada. And he was very clear in saying that student debt is one of the hardest debts to get rid of in the Canadian system. And in fact, uh, if you're less than seven years removed from your post-secondary education, it is almost impossible. It is easier to get rid of mortgage debt, credit card debt, even payday loan debt than it is student loan debt. <laughs> Uh, so keep keep that in mind. It's it's very very difficult to declare bankruptcy and get rid of it. There's various different programs out there. If you're having a hard time paying it back, I'd like to go. I'd like to see the government move to, and I believe they have in in some provincial governments move to some sort of um, income based repayment plan. So in other words, if you are not if you're not getting a job, if you're finding it difficult to earn money, uh, you know maybe you get a break. You have to pay a mandatory percentage of whatever you've made. So in other words, uh, you know you're still feeling the bite just like everyone else is, but uh, your credit rating won't get destroyed, or you don't have to declare bankruptcy. So there are some programs in place uh, for that, but the bankruptcy really isn't a relevant option for most people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm glad you you mentioned that. Yeah, because <laughs> it'd be really bad if you actually went through with something like that, thinking everything will be fine. And then you've got that chasing you around for for years and years and years and yeah no for sure and also it's not very ethical either. <laughs> no, know, it's I, not. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's that's kind of the other thing. Uh, that that's obviously really important too. Um, you know, in terms of student loans, what can students expect the interest rate to be on on those student loans? Well, there's going to be two parts to your student loan uh, in most places. That there's like the territories are sort of their own ball game, and we go into a little bit of in again in depth in that and the blog and in the book if you want. But for almost everyone in Canada, there's two parts to your student loan. There's the provincial part of it, which means the provincial government has lent you money, and there's the federal government part of it, uh, which obviously means the the government of Canada has lent you money. And so each of those loans uh, are going to have their own interest rate. And uh, if you're a young person out there and you don't know what an interest rate is, it's worth reading a little bit. If you do know what an interest rate is, then the options ahead of you are, do you choose a fixed or variable? So to cover the sort of Canada-wide option, the fixed rate of interest, you're going to end up paying prime plus 5%. 
If you choose the variable rate of interest, you're going to pay the prime rate plus 2.5%. Mm-hmm. Uh, the provinces are all over the map. I believe Ontario's is still prime plus one. Nice. One percent, I believe, uh, if I had to look. Mm-hmm. Manitoba just went to absolutely no interest paid on your student loans at all. Hmm. Uh, they'll even they'll pay the interest for you even after you graduate. Uh, in some places, I believe there's two or three other provinces that are, are that are only prime. They'll only charge you the prime rate of interest uh, on your student loans. So you need to sort of be just aware of that if you're looking to repay student loans. Because, for example, in Man- living in Manitoba, if I'd taken out a student loan and uh, say 60% of my loans from Manitoba, so I have $10,000, I have $6,000 of debt from Man- the Manitoba government and 4000 from the Canadian government. It really makes no sense if I have a little extra spare change lying around and I want to pay down my student debt. It really makes no sense for me to pay down my Manitoba student debt ahead of my Canadian student debt, which mm-hmm. you can choose which one you want to pay down because obviously I have the higher interest rate on the Canadian student debt by a substantial margin. Right. That's great. That's great. And yeah, and actually leads us to the next question I had is, is on the subject of student debt and how to actually manage it. So, uh, you know, we've already talked a lot about uh, answering questions for students that are about to graduate or are about to or are already or just entered university or college. But what about those of us who have already graduated and now maybe we have some student debt? Um, how do we prioritize that considering that we might be trying to save for a down payment on a house at the same time we're being told to put money away in an RSP and a TFSA? Um, some of us might have car loans. Others might even have credit card debt on top of that. So how, how do you prioritize all these different things, all these different obligations, um, you know, especially when we consider the fact that the student loan uh, is tax deductible as well. Yeah, I, it's it's sort of the generation squeeze thing that Rob Carrick of the Globe and Mail has written a lot on this. And, and we actually have a little bit different views, Rob and I. Uh, Rob likes to keep things simple. He says, look, for the vast majority of Canadians, keep it simple. Pay off student debt, the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pay it, pay it off, clear the decks, he says. And I think there's there's the simplicity of that recommendation has a lot going for it because not a lot of Canadians like learning about money. Now, that being said, if you're tuning into this podcast, obviously you're not most Canadians. You actually do enjoy learning about money or you do know a little bit about money and now you're going to tell uh, your niece, nephew, child, grandchild, whatever the case may be about it. So uh, that being the case, I recommend just understanding how interest rates work. If you have a, a credit card that's charging you 20% interest and you have a balance on that credit card, well, first of all, you need to look at your budget and not carry a balance on your credit card. Right. Uh, the second thing you got to do is pay that off because why would you ever pay off, say, a Manitoba student loan that you're not paying any interest on at all? And why would you pay that off ahead of uh, you know this credit card that's, that's eaten away at your, your monthly budget through interest payments? That makes no sense. So pay that off. Uh, in terms of a car loan, my advice for most people would be don't have a car loan right. if you have student debt, especially if you live in an urban center. Uh, I, I I went to school in Winnipeg, Manitoba. If there was ever, ever a place that was unfriendly to public transit, it is Winnipeg, Manitoba in our cold winters and our uh, non-existent light rail transit system. Uh, but suck it up. Uh or buy a used car if you want to put in the extra hours at work or whatever the case may be. But don't take a car loan <laughs> yeah. would be my response to that one. Now, here's the thing. If you have student debt, uh, it is tax deductible, which essentially means uh, you'll have to learn what the difference is between tax credit and tax deductible. But your actual rate of interest, your real rate of interest uh, is actually going to be a slightly lower than what it shows. And it's going to be a, become a better and better deal for you sort of as your income climbs. Long story short, 
Uh, student loan interest is not exactly crippling interest, uh, especially if you're in one of these provinces, like I've said, that gives you a bit of a break. And even if you've choose, chosen the uh, variable interest rate, you know, prime plus 2.5%, that's not crippling. So I come from the camp of you should be saving a little bit for retirement in that RSP or TFSA, depending on your income level, uh, before you fully paid off your student loan. Uh, I don't have any student loans. My wife has some. I've We've set up a plan where we don't see it as very advantageous right now to pay off your student loans ahead of saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll let that go. We'll pay it over 10 years, make our payments on time. Um, I just have a, a fair uh, degree of confidence in in uh, the investment returns that we'll gain over time. That being said, if you're not familiar or you're not familiar with sort of how interest rates and return on investments work, uh, you might be safer off just paying down the debt with, uh, and that's an after tax return on your money. It's it's never a bad option. Right. Okay. No, that's great. Yeah, because like you said, you're in Manitoba, so you guys are. Like you don't even pay interest. You were saying, is that is that right? On the on the provincial part right. of your student loans, as of last year, that's correct. Gotcha. Okay. So then, yeah. So you're you're comparing that to, for example, investing in broad market ETFs. Let's say where you're like, what are you hoping to get, like seven percent or something like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would hope for eight eight percent because we're looking at like a forty year time right. uh, horizon. This isn't for a down payment on a house, uh, which was another comparison you made. There, I would argue you're better off paying down your student loans, maybe. Before making the down payment on a house, in in many cases, just because you're not going to be able to get very good investment returns if you're going to need that money in the next three, four years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I suppose you could risk it, but I certainly would not recommend that to anyone. You're going to end up putting your money in fairly safe investments like GICs and bonds. Exactly. So if you're looking at a 2 two to 3% before tax return versus paying down your Canada student loan, which is going to be you know between 5 and and 10% in most cases of after-tax returns, uh, in that situation, I think you're better off uh, paying down your student loans. Gotcha, gotcha. That sounds good. Yeah, like you said, if and if this is kind of too much for someone and they don't want to go into all these details and start estimating what their ROI is going to be and what they should invest in and all that kind of stuff that you and I enjoy for fun for some reason, <laughs> then they should exactly. just then, exactly. then they can take the Rob Carrick approach and just say, look, just like you said, clear the decks, just pay off your student loan, be done with it, uh, and move on, basically. Yeah, yeah, for yep. sure, for sure. I like I like your approach, but yeah, that's well, we're kind of the anomaly, I think, when it comes to <laughs> when it yeah, comes to result- yeah, yeah. So no, that that sounds great. And lastly, can you talk a bit about uh, my last question about our RESPs, uh, basically what they are for those who haven't heard of them, uh, and how should they be utilized, and and what should we be looking out for if you do decide to to use RESPs? Uh, well, first and foremost, if you're if you're into registered education savings plans, this is what an RESP is. I highly recommend the RESP book, aptly named by Mike Coleman. Uh, that's my go-to resource. Mike is my guy. He answers all my questions if you email him uh, about the really, really trivial, weird details of RESPs that can be sort of unique to certain people. He, I'm fully confident at this point that Mike Coleman knows far more about the RSP program than any single government employee does. <laughs> uh, and perhaps the whole group of RSP uh, people at the Canadian Revenue Agency put together. Uh, I think that might be a somewhat even match if you took the group of them versus Mike by himself. So what is an RESP? RESPs are great programs that encourage parents uh, and families to save for their child's post-secondary education. Uh, they're phenomenal deals where the government's going to match up to 20% uh, sorry, 20% up to a maximum of 7,200 over your lifetime. 
in terms of they're going to put in money as you put in money. If you're below a certain income level, a, a lot of uh, provinces have automatic RESP sort of grants that they're going to put in for you. And you can invest this money within an RESP, your money plus the government's money, into almost whatever you want. So if you want to keep it nice and simple and just buy some, you know, when the child's 15, if you want to buy some 12 or 13-year Canadian bonds or, or whatever you want to do as you just want to have a bond ladder or if you want to take a little bit more risk in the portfolio and then taper that risk as the student gets closer to graduation, you can do all that stuff if you want to get into it. But the bottom line is, uh, you're getting an automatic 20% return on your money up to $2,500 a year. And you're not going to get that deal anywhere else that I'm aware of, uh, legally anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it's just a fantastic deal. One of the myths out there is that people believe, like, they say, well, what if my child doesn't go to university? Uh, well, first of all, your child can, I wrote an article for um, Canadian Money Saver magazine talking about this. It's not just university. Uh, I actually looked it up just to see what the most oddball things were that you could use it for. You can use it for any sort of like pilot school. There was even one uh, massage therapists of Manitoba. So for massage therapy courses, you could actually use RESP money. um, They have the registration number that you can actually use an RESP withdrawal to pay for your tuition at at that uh, institution. So it's everything from uh, you know your formal college and university options to massage therapy school. And if worst case scenario, you can always roll your own money into your RRSP uh, and you lose none of your own money in that regard. You'd only use, lose the government, um, the government contribution. So it's a fantastic program. Uh, if, if you're an aunt and uncle, if, you, if you're a friend of someone with kids uh, and you know they're two years old, they don't need another toy for their birthday, uh, chip in 100 bucks to their RESP account. They'll thank you when they're 18. Yeah, no, that's great. That's really good advice for sure. No, that's great, Kyle. That, that's all the questions that I had on my end. Um, can you tell us uh, basically where can we all learn from you some more? Where can we find your book? Yeah, we're everywhere. Uh, the Board Money uh, for Beer and Textbooks podcast. Uh, we've got a bunch of episodes full of uh, people smarter than me talking about good stuff. Uh, you can find the book itself on Amazon.ca, uh, Amazon.com or at Chapters locations across Canada. And if you just want to see uh, sort of what Justin, my co-author, and I have going on lately, you can check us out at youngandthrifty.ca or myuniversitymoney.com. Awesome. All right. That's great, Kyle. Thanks so much for coming on. It was, uh, yeah, it was great having you on. Thanks. All right. Thanks for having me, Cornell. All right. Take care. Bye. Well, I hope you got lots out of the interview with Kyle. If you did like it, I would definitely appreciate it if you went on iTunes and gave this podcast a positive review as it really helps bring on some amazing high-profile guests like Kyle. Also, if you do it, I'll automatically enter you in a draw to get a free 30-minute consultation with me where you can ask me anything you want and where I'll also send you the best guides and tips I can find on whatever it is that you have questions about. Also, don't forget to enter the giveaway for a chance to win a free copy of Kyle's book over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash 17. So just the number 17. And if you are interested in starting your own business on the side, don't forget to check out my free step-by-step guide on how you can set it all up easily right here in Canada and how you can get your website up and running in no time. You can get the whole guide over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash business. So have a great week and I'll see you over at buildwealthcanada.ca. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca. 